This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Contradictions, fickleness and mind-blowing stupidity sums up Manchester United fans on Twitter pretty much. So we're going to try and dissect the issues of our pre-season tour of the USA without showing any of that. It's Series 4, Episode 2 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you for being with us. As always, we're talking performances against Real Madrid in a 2-1 win, Liverpool in a 4-1 loss and AC Milan and San Jose Earthquakes. We're talking Mourinho, Martial, Alexis, Andreas Pereira, and some pretty big debates as well, actually, mainly around Jose Mourinho and his Manchester United future. Jack, starting off with Mourinho, we won't go through each match individually because it's only pre-season. Instead, we'll go through the the big issues that have kind of been made public by uh, a weird pre-season campaign in which we've been missing most of our best players and seen a lot of kids, seen a lot of negativity, Seen a couple of new signings, but it is a negative atmosphere around United at the moment, particularly after some of Mourinho's comments. And I guess the concerns over Mourinho are man management, the negativity he brings, some bad football, bad style of play even, uh, his treatment of young players, his record in the transfer market while at United. And the main thing is he just hasn't been good enough so far. And I guess they're the, overall they're the same concerns that we had before he became United manager. But now the biggest issue is that Mourinho is in his last season at United, possibly, even though his contract goes beyond this season. And we still look like he's just taken over at United, which is, I guess, the biggest worry for us as United fans. Totally agree, Harry, mate. Yeah, it's um, it's really, really worrying for us to see that Mourinho still looks like he, he doesn't know his strongest eleven. He doesn't really know some of the players too well. It does seem like he's just arrived at the club and he's still trying to feel his way out. Uh, sort of feel out like the feel out like the situation. Still trying to get to grips with the board. There's definitely some tension there. I think some of Mourinho's comments have been blown out of proportion a little bit, and I think a lot of it is sort of the way that he he comes across when he makes those comments. Because if you look at what he's actually said, a lot of it isn't that different to what a lot of other coaches have said. But he does seem to do it in maybe a more combative and sort of aggressive way. I don't know if that's 
that's just him or he's always sort of had a bit of a poor relationship with the media and I wonder if it's just that and him never never seeming totally comfortable and happy in press conferences but yeah there definitely is an air of negativity I think that's sort of pervading the club at the moment some of which I think is justified I do agree I personally the way I see a lot of Mourinho's comments are him taking aim at the board and the way that the transfer window has been handled and I do think that there are a lot of questions to be answered there because our summer transfer business definitely hasn't been great and there is a lot that still needs to be done in the next sort of two weeks or it's not even that it's about a week and a half until the uh the transfer window closes so i am i am worried and i do sympathize to some degree with Mourinho there but some of the other comments especially around martial have been very very poor especially if these rumors of martial getting fined two yeah. weeks wages are actually true you know that's that's just awful and that's definitely not the way that anyone should be treated that's that's like probably the biggest worry but i do think some of the comments from Mourinho have been overblown but yeah, it's definitely uh, some worrying times, I think. Just whether it's actually being felt inside the club or not, I don't know. But there definitely does seem to be an air of, of negativity, I think, that's sort of going around. And it, it's worrying me going into the season. Yeah, I definitely think a lot of a lot of things have been blown out of proportion. I think that probably the main reason for that is partly you've got Mourinho's relationship with the media. Rocky over the years and now... Mourinho's basically lost that charm that we kind of saw at Chelsea. He arrives at Chelsea, calls himself the special one, and then he continues saying things like that for the next decade. Since he came to United, we, we really haven't seen that at all. Basically since he was fired at Chelsea the second time and the months building up to that, we haven't seen the the charmed Mourinho with the funny little comments, the winks in press conferences, the little smiles, the little jokes in press conferences, the little moments with the players on the side. We haven't seen that Mourinho and for a manager already with a bad relationship with the media to then stop giving that charm, I think is is pushing the pressure up and taking... But I think the, the biggest problem for United fans who are mainly following the action on Twitter and not reading or watching Mourinho's full press conference is you get accounts who I follow and I like, accounts like United Report or United Extra, things like this, or even the journalists themselves, who, because there's a limit on the number of characters do the headline quote so you get things like Mourinho saying he was saying look only 30% of my squad are playing today this isn't my proper squad we can't we can't judge on this and a lot of people saw that and took it to mean he's discarding disregarding all these young players all these fringe players he's putting he's putting down half of his squad basically which would be wrong but really said this is only 30% or only half of my squad on August 9th against Leicester City and you think well that's the key bit of the story is he's not saying I'm not going to use you at any point in the season. I'm saying I'm not going to include you in my 18-man squad against Leicester on the opening day of the season. I think that is one example of many in which Mourinho said something which he should know is going to be taken out of context. But as football managers, they can't always predict what the story is going to be, even though the best ones will do and will adjust themselves to that. And Mourinho's said some idiotic things, but really... Most of the stuff has been blown out of proportion. We'll talk about Anthony Marshall a bit later. But um, also the point of being in the transfer market with the Glazers is I, th- I, I think similar to you and I basically think that Mourinho is being as grumpy as possible to force some action from Woodward and the Glazers. And to be honest, Woodward and the Glazers will probably be feeling the pressure because Mourinho is bringing this negative press, this negative feeling around the club. And it's not fun to watch as fans, to be honest. And Mourinho needs to do better on the pitch and off the pitch. But... 
his ambition is much bigger than anyone above him at the club. And anyone taking on the Glazers will have my support, no matter if I don't support them in certain other aspects. Yeah, exactly. I, and even all the comments about, you know, these players aren't part of my squad and things like that. I think I don't think it comes down to him disregarding all these young players, like you just said. I think it is about him saying, A, this is not the squad I'm going to turn up to Leicester with on the first day of the season, which was the crucial part of what he said and what was what ended up getting disregarded most of the time. But it's also him saying to the board, to the Glazers, to Woodward, this is 30% of my squad. But if you back me a little bit more in the transfer market and go out and get these five targets that he said that he gave them at the start of the transfer window, this would, that would be another three or four players that I'd have in my squad now uh, that we could be using on this preseason tour. I think the other thing as well, it just seems like Mourinho hates preseason tours, honestly. Um, and I can sympathise with that to some degree because I think you know preseason games are great, but you know travelling out to the US having what has it been, four, five games in a week and a half or two weeks, something like that. Um, and sort of all, all the, I don't I don't really know exactly what to call it, but I guess all of the sort of palaver that comes with it for the, for the lack the of co- a better The commercial word. side of things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pandering to the commercial side of things and everything like that, it just distracts you from actually getting your squad ready for the start of the season. And so I sympathise again with, with that part of it. But I do, I do just think that there needs to be some recognition of the way that things are going to get blown out of proportion and the way that it's going to affect the players as well. Because even if, as I don't think, those comments were aimed at players, you know, having such a negative spin on things when half your squad is made up of players that have probably never been involved with the first team before, it doesn't feel great for them. You know, he should be talking about how good of an opportunity this is. The point of what he's trying to say doesn't change. You know, he's still saying these people aren't going to be part of my squad. But instead of saying these people aren't going to be part of my squad against Leicester, how annoying is it that we still have to play these games? It it should be these people aren't going to be part of my squad against Leicester. But what a great opportunity for them to experience some time with the first team. I think that's that's the difference. It's just a way of how you how you put things across and then therefore the way it's going to be taken in the press. But yeah, yeah I think it's, it's, it's mainly about how he's delivering the message he wants to deliver. But I think we all know that Jose Mourinho is a man who looks for conflict. He looks for conflict by making it yeah. an us-against-them mentality between United and the rest of the world, or Chelsea and the rest of the world, Real Madrid, Inter Milan, Porto and the rest of the world. He looks for conflict with other managers, Mourinho against Fergie, Mourinho against Wenger, Mourinho against Benitez. All of this has happened over the years. We know Mourinho wants conflict, and that's the way he's going to resolve the issue or what he sees as the issue and what I see as the issue is that United's board don't have the correct ambition and their ambition, I mean, look, we're called the biggest club in the world but we haven't won the Champions League for 10 years, we haven't won the league for five years and it's clear that the problems run a lot deeper in our club than Jose Mourinho. The, the, the Glazers came in in 2005 and Fergie masked their lack of ambition, their lack of investment into the club with his eternal genius and on that note very nice to see Fergie delivering a message and, and looking very well and speaking Yeah, but Mourinho has his negatives and quite a lot of them and the mood he's created in pre-season as you say it's just mind-blowingly negative given what it could be the positive about United giving chances to youngsters like Mason Greenwood Andreas Pereira five years older um, Jimmy Garner and Mourinho has referenced that but it's not 
he will know and we all know that he's creating a negative mood but the problems at United have been a decade in the making the Glazers have no ambition and as long as top four is kept and achieves finances are good and that's their aim and we could easily become the new Arsenal the biggest club in the world supposedly clearly doesn't from the very top of the club want to challenge or need to challenge for the biggest trophies and Mourinho is challenging that and he's doing that by being frustrating, glum, dull, negative, unlikable at the moment. But he's also challenging the Glazers. And if I think back to the green and gold campaign in the late 2000s and early 2010s, this is what we wanted is Fergie hid the issues by being brilliant, by winning stuff, by winning the Champions League in 2008, by reaching Champions League finals 2009, 2011, by winning the league three years in a row. And that's great. But maybe what we need even more is someone who will actually expose the Glazers for what they are, for replacing Ronaldo with Obertan and Valencia, for replacing Carlos Tevez with Michael Owen and ageing Michael Owen. And people will say, arguing against Mourinho, that he spent a lot. And yes, but at the same time, Mourinho, and we said this when Mourinho and Guardiola both came in, Mourinho started with the worst squad and he still spent less than City. And he hasn't done well enough but he signed nine players to Pep Guardiola's 20. And do we really think that Mourinho wants to keep all of Rojo, Jones, Smalling, Darmian and Blint, who's now gone? I don't. But unlike at City, where they released or sold five of their club greats on the first day of the transfer window last summer and then spent huge amounts on new fullbacks, on attackers, on midfielders, on a new keeper, United is still relying on the same dead wood that's effectively been a cancer on the club since Fergie left, has been bringing us down, dragging us down. And and that's where the issue is. You, yeah. You, you yeah. And, and obviously, spent. like it's hard. It's hard for us to say exactly why that is. But one thing that I think is part of it is that because the Glazers and Ed Woodward are so focused on the business side of things, they don't just want to let players go for free. They want to make sure they're getting as much value out of them as they can. And I think a lot of the time it ends up with them demanding ridiculous fees for players that don't have much value in them and then they end up getting kept which means we can't bring in someone new and they end up being part of the squad again every single season yeah I think I'm I'm going to contradict myself on that a bit because in a way that's frustrating but also I remember when we sold Nani for I think it was 7 million and Nani then was worth a lot more than 7 million is worth a lot more than 7 million now we sold Van Persie for 4 million uh, we sold Raphael for two or four million, I think, and Kagawa for a ridiculously small amount for someone who has continued to be a good player in the Bundesliga. That pissed me off. And this situation also pisses me off. But you need to find the middle ground where you're willing to sell players because the main problem they're going to have with selling players for someone like Darmin is that his wages are likely to be massive because every time we sign a player, we pay over the odds because we're Man United. And... Their wages are huge, so we can't offload them for big transfer fees. You've got uh, they they have to think of it in terms of we need to free up wages and and the transfer budget, and we we're, we're not doing that. And I think a, another big problem is that when we sign players, our big transfer windows, the times where we spent a hundred, two hundred million, have mainly been spent on one or two players: Pogba eighty nine, Lukaku seventy five, possibly rising to ninety, yeah. Anel Di Maria fifty seven point nine, and then you look at City and they're spending 50-50, 40-50-40. That is how you build a squad. Not by buying... And yes, I, I think buying Pogba and Lukaku was good. But at the same time, we probably could have done, if our recruitment process was better, if we had a better person leading us than Ed Woodward, we probably could have signed someone who could have done a similar job to Romelu Lukaku 
for 50 or 60 million. And, and I think that's a lot of where our issue lies because we've got some great players in Alexis Sanchez, in Lukaku, in Pogba. But at the same time, we've got Chris Smalling at the back. And I think that's a lot of where our issue is in the transfer market. And that comes from having a former banker and accountant who helped the Glazers to buy the club and impose their debt on the club as our effectively as our director of football or our sporting director. It makes no sense. Yeah, because they they understand that the way that you create hype around the sign and the way that you create enough hype to sell merchandise around the world is to buy one or two marquee players every summer that are then going to be the face of the club going forward. And it's exactly what the Pogba signing did two years ago. It's exactly what the Lukaku signing did last year. We haven't really had someone like that this summer. Um, but they understand that that's what ultimately generates the most money for the club. It's what, it's what generates the most interest in a single player. As I as I see more and more of the Glazers and Woodward running the club, it just seems like we're being run like an American sports franchise at the moment. You know, it, the focus is just on the business side of things and so much focus seems to be on creating sales from things, on building the brand of the club. And yeah, that's important because that's what brings in the money that allows us to spend in the transfer market. I completely understand that. But ultimately, the brand of the club, the business side of it, has to come second to what happens on the pitch. And as you said, when Ferguson was still here, he because we didn't have someone in that sort of sporting director type role that Ed Woodward is in, I know he's not technically a sporting director, but that's the sort of role that he plays in transfers. Because we didn't really have anyone in that kind of position, Ferguson just did it on his own. And the fact that Ferguson was able to do that meant that he was able to keep control of pretty much all aspects of the day-to-day running of the club. There was none of this, let me give a list of five players to someone who's then going to go out and do all the negotiating. No, Fergie was was the one who did all of it. Obviously, there were people helping him out behind the scenes, but at the end of the day, it was Fergie's call, whether we signed a player, how much we were going to offer, everything like that. But now with, obviously, sort of moving with the times, I guess, and a recognition that no coach is ever going to be around as long as Fergie is, if you give a coach ultimate control over a club, if he's only going to be there for three years. I understand that that can cause problems. But you have to back a coach fully. I was actually having a um, discussion on Twitter with someone about this who was saying they can understand understand, sorry, why the board are reluctant to back Mourinho in the transfer market because of, there's been so much wasted money and not many results on the pitch. And while I understand the point that he's getting at, at the end of the day, if you don't back your your manager 100%, you shouldn't be employing them. You know, if there is any doubt in, yeah, definitely. from from the board, from Woodward, that Mourinho is not the right man, you should not still have him as your manager. And if you think that you are, that he is good enough to still be the manager, you then have to back him 100%. Don't let him make any excuses if we still finish 15, 20 points behind Man City this season. Don't give him any excuses if we still don't perform to the where we, we think we need to be and where we do need to be. You know, because doing it this way, sort of half in, half out. If you don't back the manager get rid of him and if you do then you need to back him 100% give him the money that he needs in the transfer market and focus on what's happening on the pitch because at the end of the day we can try and build a brand as much as we want and try and sell as many shirts as we want around the world but the thing is what builds a brand more than anything else and the reason why United are such a big brand is because of the success that we've had and sure we're holding on to that at the moment because it's only been six or seven years since we were the best club in the world in terms of what's happening on the pitch. 
But give it another five or ten years like this and we're going to end up in the kind of position that Arsenal now find themselves in or that Liverpool have found themselves in a few years ago where you're still a big club but you're not really considered a true sort of heavyweight of, of European football and I don't see it going that far. I really don't. But that is the sort of path that we seem to be going down at the moment. And it's really worrying as a fan to see that because it's really the first time that I've ever experienced that with United. And it just needs someone to come in, I guess like Mourinho is trying to do now, and stand up to the board and say, this is not the way to run this football club. We need to change things and we need to start doing things that put football first, not the brand first. And I think your point about not backing the manager, I think... That applies more to Mourinho than it does to pretty much any manager in football in that if you don't back Mourinho, you're not going anywhere because A, Mourinho will do what he's doing now and be a grumpy sod for the entire season and probably crash and burn. And also, he's just not going to get results. Mourinho needs a Mourinho team and there's there's no doubt about that. The same, same as most top managers. Guardiola needs a Guardiola team. His first season, not a Guardiola team. His second season... Huge turnaround of players at City, selling people like Zabaleta, Yaya Torre was kind of barely played last season. Joe Hart was got rid of. Um, even Claudio Bravo, who he brought in, decided it wasn't good enough. Bought another goalkeeper. That is how you challenge for the title, and it it all comes back down to the point that, being honest, the Glazers don't really care about the title, and it's a yeah. it's pretty much a short term business model if you're thinking of it from that point of view because eventually United's brand will suffer and if they don't realise that then they're absolutely mental or they know that as soon as United's brand suffer they'll just sell the club and cash in on it once more which would be very unsurprising given all we know about the Glazers and Edward Wood. Um, anyway back to a specific issue in Anthony Martial the baby issue as we baby gate we should probably call it. Um, <laughs> I mean to be honest I feel pretty wrong commenting on it at all a because it's a personal matter b because none of us really know anything about it all we've got to go off is Mourinho who could easily be twisting the truth and probably is United who are saying nothing and Martial's what is it 200 character tweet in French and that's basically what we're going off so did Martial tell the club he was leaving if he did not really his fault. If he didn't, then he shouldn't be um, chastised for going to the birth of his child. But at the same time, he's a bit of an idiot because it does just make sense to tell your club that you're leaving and not playing in two matches in, in the USA. So I, I think mainly we've, we've just got to accept that being a footballer is a job. And, and I was listening to And Herrera on um, the big interview podcast, uh, Graham Hunter, saying that he, he doesn't enjoy playing for... United when he's in the match itself because he's under pressure and he sees it as a job because he knows how many United fans are relying on him and I think a lot of footballers probably although most of them won't come out publicly and say it like Herrera most footballers probably don't enjoy that aspect of football they do see it as a job and it's not the most normal of jobs but it is a job and once you accept that you'll end up pretty much changing your opinion on a lot of things that footballers do like this like looking for a new club like looking for higher wages and there's there's kind of two sides to it. There's the Mourinho fans and the Martial fans, and then there's the normal United fans in the middle who basically say, we don't really know anything. If Mourinho's being an idiot and trying to criticise Martial for going to the birth of his child, then that kind of sums up 
Jose Mourinho. And if Martial hasn't told the club, then that kind of sums up Anthony Martial as well. Yeah, such a tricky situation to know what's going on. Like you said, we have such little actual concrete information. We just have spe- so much speculation. I must admit, when I when I first saw the, the quotes and everything, I, w- I went and watched the press conference. And my immediate reaction, actually, when, when Mourinho... I think the line was, uh, Martial should be here. And when I actually watched it, I thought what Mourinho was saying wasn't Martial should be here in that he shouldn't have gone to see the birth of his child. I thought what he was saying was Martial should be here in that, like, we thought Martial was going to be here. He's, he was obviously in the squad, but he isn't here, not criticising him. Having seen the rumours that apparently he's getting fined two weeks' wages, obviously makes me think a bit differently about that. Um, but yeah, it really just does come down to whether the club knew about it beforehand, whether Martial told them. Because if he has... I mean, either way, him going to see the birth of his child is nothing nothing bad at all. Sportsmen all around the world have to have to do that. You know, family has to come first, as Martial said in, said in his tweet. And that that's absolutely fine. If he didn't tell the club, it, it's just a bit stupid on his end, really. It's obviously... This, again, is where you need someone strong at the board level who can come in and sort of be a mediator in this situation, figure everything out, make sure that both sides are on the same page and try and turn the book on it and just forget about it and move on. I don't think Ed Woodward is that guy who can who will play that role, uh, but hopefully there is someone behind the scenes who can do that. Maybe it'll even take someone like Michael Carrick, an ex-player who maybe has been in similar situations with managers in the past to come in and speak to Martial, speak to Mourinho, who can try and bring them together again because it would be a real shame to see Martial leave the club, especially in in these sort of circumstances. Yeah, I yeah I agree with most of what you said. And then that kind of moves us on to the debate about Martial's actual talent and actual future, forgetting Babygate. Um, and the thing is with Martial is he's one of those players where his stats remain amazingly good he was United's second top goal scorer in the Premier League last season with nine goals ahead of Lingard who was who was seen as this having this prolific season and ahead of Rashford who played 300 more minutes he's United's third highest assist contributor in the Premier League last season with five ahead of Lingard, Mata, Rashford, Sanchez, Young he contributed a goal or an assist every 113 minutes in the league and scored or assisted six times off the bench in 12 appearances but he is one of those players where I feel like you can't just judge him on on his stats, even though they make it quite clear how talented he is. I think watching him in every game over the last three seasons, whether it's been from the start, whether it's been an in-form Martial or an out-of-form Martial, has been quite frustrating, even though every time he gets on the ball, you think, this is exciting. He's one of those players. But I think his decision-making seems to have got worse since his first season where he scored 17 goals. He was a main man in that Van Gaal side, mainly because he had to be. And then as just another part of the team for United, he's he's been far less impressive. And he's one of those players where he, sometimes you question what he's really doing on the pitch because a lot of the time as a winger or if he's playing up front, he receives the ball stationary, he's standing still, slows attacks down sometimes and then... He doesn't run in behind the defence most of the time. He waits for the ball. He waits to take on the defender. He doesn't hang on the shoulder in the same way that Lukaku, Alexis and Rashford do. And a lot of his goals that, that contributed to those stats come early in the season when he's coming off the bench in, in those 4-0 victories when he's kind of taking on a tired defence. And it, it's clear to everyone that he's not a better player than Sanchez. We know that. 
But then the question is, is, is he better than Rashford? And I think he's more talented, yes, but for Mourinho, he's obviously not. And watching, it's easy to see why you could say Rashford is, is the better player at the moment and has the better future. And I wouldn't sell Martial. I'd play him, play him, and play him, develop him, keep playing him, and wait for him to become one of the best in the world because he still could be one of the best in the world. And basically what's happening is Mourinho is pushing him out because he doesn't have a good relationship. He's playing him from the bench or slating him or publicly hammering him for, for going home for, for, for his child to be born. But at the same time, Martial does have to take some responsibility because he's partly culpable because his performances haven't been good enough, even though he's been scoring and assisting. And he hasn't developed at the rate that you would want from a player of his potential. I think even if you get rid of, of all of the, the off-field stuff that's been going on, this season for me would have been a make-or-break season for Martial, 100%. As I said, I think he earned some leeway from all of us because of how good he was in that first season. And now is the time, I think, where you have to start deciding whether he is worth the investment of time more than anything that you would have to give him. Because, like you said, as good as his stats have been since he got to the club and even last season when he wasn't playing that much, when you watch him play, he isn't that effective most of the time. He is a massively seems to be a confidence player and I think that's why we saw him at his very best in his first season because he was sort of riding the crest of a wave ever since he first came on and scored against Liverpool. Then obviously got got two goals against Southampton in his very next game and it all sort of went from there and it, and it never really stopped. Since then, he's probably never had a run of games, enough of a run of games where he could get up ahead of steam and get that confidence back. But at the same time, when he gets an opportunity, he has to take them. You look at what uh, what Rashford did when he first came into the team. You know, back um, back like I mean, not just this season. I mean, like back when he first, very first came into the side, he got what four goals in his first two games or whatever it was. You know, that's the kind of thing you want from Martial when he gets an opportunity. Uh, you have to sort of give the manager no choice but to keep you in the team, and unfortunately, he just hasn't done that for me. I don't think. I, I totally agree with you that he is more talented than Rashford. You know, there's always going to be comparisons between them because they are pretty similar in ages, obviously very similar positions. For me, Martial is miles more talented, more talented than Rashford. Most of Rashford's talent, for me, comes from intelligent movement and physical attributes, mostly his pace. Whereas I think Martial is a much cleverer footballer with the ball at his feet, is much more subtle, or can be at least, and I think technically he's much better than Rashford. I just think maybe there is a lack of, I don't want to say professionalism like some people have been saying, but maybe a lack of of maybe willingness to, to really force his way back into the side. It's almost maybe because he's been lauded as sort of this world beater from such a young age, he almost feels like the world needs to come to him. I don't know, I don't know if, if I'm being unfair there, but that's maybe how it comes across sometimes. Yeah, I think this is a, a make-or-break season for him if he stays at the club because he's now had two years where I think as United fans, we've certainly given him a lot more leeway than we do with most other players. You know, if someone like Fellaini had been putting in some of the performances that he'd been putting in, not to say that he was awful, but some of his performances were, were pretty poor. And if he'd, if he'd been someone else putting in those kind of performances, we would have been jumping all over him. And I think now is the time where he has to start performing... And he's not he's not getting any younger. What is is he twenty three now? Yeah, I think he might be. And it, it is that point that he yeah. just hasn't developed quick enough. And we we have yeah. given him that the the leash and the the leeway to do that. But 
it's kind of reaching a, a tipping point. Definitely is is for Jose Mourinho. There comes a point the, the way the way almost that I think about this to draw some comparisons with the NFL. When when people enter the league in the NFL, they get a, a rookie contract when they get drafted, and it lasts four years, and teams have an option for a fifth year. And generally, that last year before they end that contract is known as a sort of a make or break year because it's when teams will either decide to to just let them go or to pay them the big money and give them a big money contract. And for me, that's the sort of year that Martial is coming into. Not to say necessarily about his contract, but just in terms of the fact that I think this year will be the deciding factor whether United persevere with him and keep him as sort of maybe the future of the club or whether they just decide that you know they've given him too much time, invested too much in him now and it's time to just sort of cut their losses in some ways and get rid of him and move on. Yeah. And I think partly the problem with Martial is also we haven't seen it in, in big games in the same way we have from Rashford. Yeah. Going back to that comparison. Rashford, I remember when Zlatan Ibrahimovic got injured um, in Mourinho's first season, came in against Chelsea, scored. Uh, on his Premier League debut, scored twice against Arsenal, scored in the Manchester derby, scored on his England debut. All of these things... We have scored against Liverpool this last season. Exactly. But that is what we see from Marcus Rashford, even though he too can sometimes be criticised for not developing as as we hoped he would. But, I mean, I think Rashford has developed huge amounts and at the right pace. Yeah. But some people would say he hasn't. But you do see from Rashford goals against Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal in big, big, big games. And we haven't seen that from Martial other than against mainly in his first season particularly on his debut against Liverpool but also rescuing draws against CSK Moscow in the Champions League group stages things like we did see it from Martial in his first season but we haven't since and I think that also plays on plays on people's minds a bit but the man who's come in and replaced him over the second half of the season is Alexis Sanchez and he's had his first proper pre-season um, for a decade and looks in very very is, good form, which is crazy to think that you can go that long without oh, a proper yeah. preseason. It's mental, even just even just in terms of having a holiday, being being with your family. But it, it's yeah. mental on so many fronts. But he now has had a proper preseason and looks a brilliant player. And we we, we know Sanchez is a brilliant player. But the point is that we haven't seen him looking at his best for United yet, apart from in some some twenty thirty minute spells. And now, yes, it's only preseason, but he looks fit. He looks raring to go. And hopefully Alexis Sanchez can combine with Paul Pogba and be the man that United rely upon for goals, for assists, for for giving something in that game. Those frustrating games against someone like um, West Brom or Stoke. I'm now just naming relegated sides, but for um, <laughs> for for those kind of teams like Brighton away, Huddersfield away, those games where we're not getting anything, and we need someone to come up with the goods. And hopefully that can now be Alexis Sanchez. Yes, yeah, you know it, I try not to draw too much from from preseason with it being just preseason, but. Alexis is definitely one of the biggest positives to take out from from the tour to the US. He's looked very, very sharp in preseason, looked very, very comfortable on the ball, looked to be extremely fit, which you know, not saying he was injured last season, but he didn't his fitness levels didn't look like how they were when he was at Arsenal and what he sort of became famous for. I, I, I love the fact that he's had a proper preseason finally. He's now been been able to have some time with the squad with the manager and I think this is probably the best opportunity he's going to get to have a really good platform going into a season it was just what he needed and he looks like he's taken it and he's he's done really really well so far in pre-season 
great link up with, uh, especially with Fred in the game against Real Madrid. Some great combinations with Mata and Herrera. Very, very good finish for his um, goal against Madrid and a lovely layoff for Herrera's goal as well. Yeah, it's been really, really positive signs from Alexis so far. And the the player he's working well with is, is Andreas Pereira, who has come back from, from two years yeah. on loan in La Liga, first at Granada and then at Valencia, and has now said today, I think early this morning or perhaps late last evening, saying that he wants to stay at United now, doesn't want another loan move, and that Mourinho has given him a lot, given him a lot of chances, and he's very grateful for that. And Pereira has looked like a new signing, not on the same level as Fred, um, and yes, it's only pre-season, it's a slower pace of games, he has more of a chance to, to get into his groove and, and to do what he's good at. But we know that Pereira is massively talented. His free kick against Liverpool shows what he can provide from set pieces and his performances against Liverpool, against Real Madrid, against AC Milan have shown the kind of thing that Pereira brings to our, our team that most players, including Paul Pogba, who's our best midfielder, doesn't. And that's those passes through the lines, vertical passes on the floor, a lot of the time with Pavel, we see those diagonal Hollywood passes, which are Hollywood for everyone else, but kind of pretty much standard um, BBC Two passes for, for Paul Pogba. With Pereira, it's something different. It's cutting through the lines, um, through the, the defensive midfield, and giving people like Alexis Sanchez balls to run onto, and soon will be Romelu Lukaku too. And that is something very different in the United team, and something, something that I think Mourinho will like and use this season. So... That kind of brings me on to reasons to be excited because there is a negative mood around United at the moment, particularly after the the, the defeat to Liverpool, Mourinho's uh, subsequent comments in his press conferences. And I think we need to we need to be a bit more positive. So first, we're going to do reasons to be excited. Then then we'll, then we'll quickly go through reasons to be worried before we wrap things up. But Pereira is one of those reasons to be excited. We've also got Pogba, Lukaku, Rashford and Lingard on World Cup highs, particularly Pogba. Sanchez is looking rested, as we just said, and, and looks fantastic. Fred looks like a, a very good player, and perhaps not a not a completely team-changing player, but one that will be a, a very good addition. Herrera in pre-season has been, been back to his usual his usual self, and hopefully he can perform well throughout the season. De Gea is still at United. It looked like he would stay at United, but there's always that fear that Real Madrid will come back in. And we finished second last year, but with most players not hitting their possible heights. So if we can reach the potential of all of our players, then we can do a lot of things. Whether that's in the league, the Cups, or, or the Champions League is irrelevant. And my final point will be that Fellaini is probably now realistically fifth in the pecky order at United in, in terms of midfield because we've got Pogba, Fred, Matic, then probably Herrera, then Fellaini and then probably McTominay and Pereira bottom even though it's mad. But I'm being realistic about what Mourinho likes in, in his midfielders. But there are a lot of reasons to be excited. I think we need to remember them even though pre-season has been a bit, bit doom and gloom. Yeah, there are definitely positives to take, 100%. Like you said, Pereira... Might be the biggest positive of of the the whole preseason because not only does it seem like he's not going to go out on loan, it seems like he actually might be in line to start some games, especially at the beginning of the season. What I, what I've really really enjoyed about watching Pereira is that Mourinho actually seems to have worked really hard with him this preseason and sort of transformed him into a or at least he's where he's played in preseason anyway. I don't want to say transformed as in he's going to play there every every time from now on, but in preseason has been playing him sort of as a deep line playmaker. Um, and I absolutely love that because Pereira for me was always someone I thought of more as a number ten or or as a uh, or as a wide midfielder. 
but I've loved watching him in that sort of deep playmaking role for a couple of reasons. One, like you said, the vertical passing. We've mentioned this before about Pereira. Don't really need to go over it again. But the other thing that I really, really like is that, you know, we've always said for, for ages and ages how poor pretty much all of our centre-backs are on the ball and how bad they are at playing out from the back. And what Pereira being so deep gives us is someone who can just go there, get the balls off the centre-backs and sort of take the pressure off of them with the balls and almost act like a third centre-back when when we're playing four at the back. He can drop in between the two centre-backs who then can split a little bit wider. Pereira's there, he can be the one spraying the balls about and beginning our attacks from there. It gives us a much, much better launch pad to to begin our attacks and get the ball into the feet of the likes of Sanchez uh, or, or get it out wide quicker to the wide players. It's just really, really nice to see someone from from deep who's able to create a lot of penetration. It's exactly the job Michael Carrick used to do. We haven't really seen it for the last two or three years. Oh, no, just on Pereira, it's exactly the job that Paul Pogba's kind of been forced to do for the last two seasons. And if Pereira's playing with him, and, and to be fair, Fred yeah, and exactly. Matic can't really do it to the same extent. Fred could do it as well. But Fred and Pereira coming in should also free up Pogba. And we've said this about pretty much every player that's come to United since Pogba came to United. But Pereira is one of those players who, who can do that by taking on that role and letting Pogba do the, the proper attacking work. Yeah, definitely. I was speaking to a guy called Kieran on Twitter this week and we were both saying that Fred is exactly the sort of profile of a midfielder that we've needed at United for a very long time. Sort of a good all-rounder. He's looked very, very comfortable on the ball, but it can still do some work defensively. He's very comfortable picking the ball up either off the se- off the centre-halves and bringing it out from there or playing a little bit further forward up the pitch and, and being, being the one receiving some of those passes from whoever it is behind him, Pereira, in the case against Real Madrid, which I thought was a really, really big positive. <clears throat> Other positives, like you say, De Gea is still at the club. Uh, Lukaku has cut short his holiday and might be might be ready for the first game against Leicester. I doubt he'll start. But it's good to see that um, I think Jones was another one who did that. There was someone else as well, wasn't there? can't remember who the last one was. Rashford. Rashford. Um, so yeah, it's good to see that we have some players being so eager to come back. It's definitely a good sign. Um, and like you said, last season we finished second with a points total that would have won the league in something like five of the Premier League seasons. And you'd probably say none of our players performed at their best. Reached the so cup final like that, and if it hadn't been for some shockingly bad performances and management against Sevilla, would have reached the Champions League quarterfinal. Although I guess that is part of the negative, is that Mourinho, A, is on the edge of crashing and burning. Mourinho yeah. failed to get the most out of his players last season, flipping around that argument about how players not reaching their potential. He could easily fail to get the best out of his players again. And the two big ones are we haven't got rid of Deadwood, Smalling, Jones, Rojo, Darmian, Fellaini, and that Glazers and Woodward have no ambition. Yeah, yeah. It seems like this season could go one of two ways. It could see everyone sort of uniting together and really putting in a great performance. Because I think I think squad-wise, maybe not quite so much in defence, but it's definitely midfield and our attack. It's up there with anyone else in the league. Or it could see sort of everything crashing and burning, the, the negativity taking over and a classic Mourinho meltdown, as as we like to say. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a very interesting season. Hopefully it will it will be the former rather than, than the latter of those situations. 
it should be exciting. I, I was getting pretty down about the season a few days ago, but when you think about think about it in a in a different way, sort of like we just said, think about the players that we have brought in. You think about for me, Andreas Pereira is like having a, having a new signing in midfield. Still have a lot of players to come back. I still do think that our squad is is good and. I still do have some faith in Mourinho that he is still a good in-game manager, even though there have been some very, very bad mistakes on his part. So yeah, hopefully, I, I, I just hope that the squad sort of comes together, can block out a lot of the negative noise that's being made about the squad outside of United. And hopefully what's going on inside the club is a lot more positive than what we're seeing from the yeah, outside. Yeah, it's, it's a really odd situation where... I can still genuinely see us winning the title. I think it is unlikely. I think City will win the title. But if we go back to this time last season, every season there's there's a team people predict won't be near the title and a team people predict will definitely be in the title race and they, they, they always aren't. But I think we could still win the title and at the same time we could finish 6th or 7th for Mourinho be sacked in April or March. Once we once we are definitely not qualifying for the Champions League through the top four, and that is a that is a very odd situation yeah. to be in, and not not one that we had under Van Gaal or Mourinho before. I think yeah, it's, it's strange because I could I could almost see us finishing anywhere from maybe second. I'm not sure we're quite enough to compete with City, but I could easily see us finishing anywhere from second to sixth. Yeah, I, I, and that's quite it's quite a scary thought. <laughs> Yeah, it's exact. I, th- I think I think we'll say first because we could win the title. I don't think we will. I'm not backing us to. I wouldn't predict us to, but we could win the title. And then we're not going to finish below West Ham or someone. But yeah, I think if if all of our players played to their played at their best consistently, we definitely have a squad that can that can win yeah, a title. Definitely, and that that's a that's a reason to be excited as well as a, a reason to be worried. But um, we we must wrap yeah. things up there. Bayern Munich on August the fifth, I think at seven fifteen, our final preseason game. Just I think that's only four days before, or four or five days before we start our Premier League season, which is uh that is commercial side yeah. of things taking over, definitely. But the the, the Community Shield is only in a couple <laughs> of days, which seems mad, and the transfer window ends in a week and a half. It, everything's just crept up on us just because of the World Cup. But um, yeah, I definitely don't think the um. The, the transfer window being closed sooner. I don't think they picked a, a good season to yeah. start it. I know that all the Premier League clubs voted for it, but doing it on the back yeah. of a World Cup was definitely it's, not a it's smart It's one of those things in hindsight that you realise is a completely stupid idea to start on a World Cup year, but there we go. Um, yeah, and to start, yeah, I like the idea of it generally, just now was not the time. Also to start so suddenly, because I think the decision was made in like May, and you think, well, yeah. you kind of want to yeah. be doing deals in May if you know the window's going to end in August. But anyway... Thank you, as always, for listening to Series 4, Episode 2 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Um, thanks to all those who have been sending nice messages now that we're back after a two-month hiatus. We will be back regularly. We'll probably do one more episode before the Leicester game, previewing that, previewing the Premier League season. And then we'll have one a few days after the Leicester game. And then, as usual, we'll be back after every weekend of the Premier League season. Thank you for listening. For more from us, you can follow Jack on Twitter at at UTD Tate T A I T, and you can follow me at at Harry Robinson sixty four on the podcast itself at, at UTD Weekly Pod. Thanks as always for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye.
Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.